If you're ready to lose weight, let Noom put psychology to work. Noom's award-winning weight loss program takes a cognitive behavioral approach, helping you form sustainable change that lasts. With Noom, no food is off limits, and there's no counting calories either. Instead, Noom gives you the ongoing guidance and support you need to form healthier habits and achieve your goals, all backed by leading evidence-based psychology and nutrition science. Start your trial at noom.com slash habit. That's n-o-o-m.com slash habit. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. It's different for everyone. One thing is certain. Every day there's an opportunity for a win. Just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab and go. Every day giftable. Every day fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher High Roller Blackjack with a chance to win up to 10 times your prize. Now that's an everyday win. Drive to a retailer near you. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 4.16. Contracts, salary caps. Why do our favorite teams make some of the moves they do? It's usually the money. It's time for the business of sports with Andrew Brandt. Hey there, boys and girls. Welcome to another edition of the business of sports with Andrew Brandt. As you know, we're presented by betonline.ag. They're your online sports book experts. Of course, they're the exclusive partner of the podcast one Sportsnet. Use promo code PODCAST1. You receive that 50% sign-up bonus as soon as you sign up. BetOnline.ag, your sportsbook experts. I'm going to do something different here on the Business of Sports podcast. As anyone following the Business of Sports knows, the Alliance of American Football has ceased operations as of this week, as of Tuesday, April 2nd. Players were sent home, sent packing, finding a way home on their own. And it turns out the league that was supposed to go 10 weeks plus playoffs has ceased after eight weeks. It really is a dramatic shift compared to what was planned for the AF and the early reviews, which were so positive. And nowhere did you hear more about the potential of the league for its success than here on this Business of Sports podcast with myself, because... In February, we had the two principals. We had Charlie Ebersol, the co-founder of the league. You know him as Dick Ebersol's son, royalty in the world of sports television. And, of course, we had the funder of the league that came in after week one. His name is Tom Dundon, made million, hundreds of millions of dollars in the subprime loan business in the car industry, and then bought the Carolina Hurricanes, and now is, was, will be, we'll see, the chairman of the Alliance of American Football. He pulled the plug, uh, allegedly or reportedly, against the wishes of Ebersol and also co-founder Bill Polian, who, of course, has tremendous NFL roots. So the league has ceased operation. It's a stunning turn of events. And what's stunning is the comparison of what just happened to what they said here on this podcast. So what I'm going to do is play some clips, first from Charlie Ebersol in early February as the league kicked off the week after the Super Bowl, and then from Tom Dundon, who joined the league early in the season, perhaps even to make payroll in week two, and then, of course, talk about his investment. So that's what we'll do. We'll have some fun. We'll find out what it is that they said and talk about the way it went. We'll start with Charlie Ebersol, and what Charlie talked about on this podcast was so much. He's a salesman about what the business model was and how the investment was going to work. 
So here's our first clip from Charlie Ebersol about the business model that they developed. We developed a business that was um, a interesting business model if you focus not just on football, but on technology. And if you could build something larger than just something for football. And then I went to my father and I said, look, the only thing that matters is quality football. You can have all you can have the best business model in the world, but if you don't have quality football, it doesn't matter. It was interesting that he talked about two things there, technology and football. Technology seems to be an issue with this league, and we'll get back to that when we hear about their app and their proprietary data and gambling app, which seems to be in the in the mix here as to why they failed. But you know, the business model is interesting because they do talk about the football quality that seemed like it was pretty good. Uh, and sort of the way they paid players and the way they got on players in terms of contracts, he talked about that here. Every player in the league signs a three-year contract worth $250,000. $70,000 the first year, eighty the second, hundred the third. In addition okay. to that contract, they sign a commercial license agreement, which affords them the ability to earn bonuses for on-field performance. If you're an offensive player and the offense scores a touchdown, you get a bonus. If your team wins, you get a bonus. If you do charity work, you get a bonus. If you if your team sells a jersey, you get a bonus. So on top of a non-guaranteed $70,000 contract this year, you probably and on top of it, we give you a one-year scholarship for every year you play in our league to post-secondary education. So we look at this as being uh, a financially advantageous. You make the most money in our league of any available alternative league that's in the marketplace right now. So you see the model there. It was a three-year contract, 70, 80, and 100. Of course, they're not going to get to even the 70 because players played seven weeks and were paid 7000 a week. That's what it comes out to. So each player is going to end up with $49,000. He talked about these bonuses. If you score a touchdown, those kind of things. If your team sells a jersey, you get a bonus on top. Top of that, you get a scholarship. I haven't heard any of that stuff. And I told an agent, and he said, What are you talking about? So I'm not sure they made any of those things. And as I said, Charlie Ebersaw is quite a salesman as this league kicked off. He talked about this sort of on the top money beyond the 70000 They played week eight, and no one expects to get paid for week eight. People were told to fly home or drop, find a way home. So 49,000 gross comes out to whatever it is, 30 to 35,000 net these players have made for their seven weeks in the AAF. There is no year two, 80,000. There is no year three, 100,000, totaling 250,000. So that three-year contract for players that are on the roster all year ended up being $49,000 instead of $250,000. So there's the reality we come out with. Again, the bonus on top for offensive performance, the bonus for selling jerseys, the the one-year scholarship, post-secondary education, I don't think so. It was all a sales job. Speaking of sales job, then uh, Dick Eversaw, I'm sorry, Charlie Eversaw talked about his relationships and how he's going to look into the technology and gaming part of it. Here's where he talks about his relationships around the world of sports my set of relationships, particularly at the league, you know, commissioner levels, the um, Roger Goodell's and Adam Silver's, et cetera, was helpful in helping technologists understand how that relationship between us and those leagues ultimately would prevail because we're not just looking for consumer adoption of our technology. We're looking for proving our technology for commercial relationships for the leagues to be able to buy our data set like the MGM did and invest in us the way that MGM did. 
Yeah, it's interesting that he brings up his relationship with Roger Goodell and Adam Silver. First on Goodell, there was kind of a tentative relationship with the NFL here, which I thought was interesting, mainly the NFL media, NFL network showing these games. But it did seem to be hands off. Let's be clear. This was not a developmental league for the NFL in any official terms. And we hear about all these disputes with the NFLPA, whether they're going to allow players to go back and forth and players sign with the AF. Could they play for the NFL? All those kind of things. You know, to me, the relationship with Goodell was strong. Obviously, Dick Ebersol close with the NFL from all the years of covering it uh, for NBC Sports. But, you know, I think it was kind of a hands-off relationship. As to Adam Silver, there you get into the MGM and the gambling app and Again, more questions than answers about what the AF was doing with its app and with gambling. He referenced the deals between the uh, AAF and I'm sorry, between the NBA and NFL with MGM. It seemed like that was a goal to sort of get aligned with a casino, get aligned with a name brand in uh, in Vegas and gambling, but. That never happened, too, which kind of leads me to the real issue uh, about the AF. And listen, the real issue, and we'll get to Dundon in a minute, but this last clip from Ebersol, the real issue is funding. Forget about the gambling app. Forget about NFLPA getting involved or not getting involved or approving contract transfers or not. It's all about the money. And in this clip, which is really the money quotes here, Ebersol talks about having the funding. Silicon Valley, athletes, Shaquille O'Neal, all of that, and, and NFL managed, former NFL management, former NFL players, and that sounded like, hey, they got the cash. So listen to this clip from Charlie Ebersol about the funding mechanisms for the AAF back in February. We also raised our money over the course of several rounds so that we could diversify the type of investors. So we started with Silicon Valley. We added on to Silicon Valley with investors like MGM. We brought on high net investors. We brought on current and former team owners from multiple different leagues. We brought on athletes, you know, Shaquille O'Neal being a great example of one of our bigger named celebrity investors. That was all by design because as the company grew, like any technology company, the valuation of the company went up and we were able to sell significantly, um, larger state, excuse me, smaller stakes of the company for larger sums of money. Um, and look, this is a massive investment. You're talking about mm-hmm. hundreds of millions of dollars over the first five or six years to build this business out. And so you have to show them multiple ways in which they can get their money out of this. Cause obviously people who have attempted to do this around football have not succeeded, um, in the past. And so how do you create that environment where they feel like they're going to succeed the technology, the media development, all the things we're building, which are all owned by the parent company they're investing in, at least gives them some level of comfort. Okay, so Charlie Eversall talking about Silicon Valley investment, talking about former athletes, Shaquille O'Neal, talking about former NFL players, management, all the above, and hundreds of millions of dollars. And lo and behold, this league needed a cash infusion in week two. Remember? they were There were all kinds of reports coming out, and of course, fueled by agents whose players were uncertain about getting paid in week two this is where i have to look at eversol as a great salesman talking about all this investment but it didn't work you know i always worried about this league because of so many investors and investors have different priorities some want to make money some want to be a developmental league for the nfl some are all about the app and the gambling some are all about 
you know, developing football in different markets and seeing if San Antonio can work or, or Salt Lake. This is the problem with multiple investors. So we transition to one investor. The White Knight arrives in early February. Tom Dundon, owner of the Carolina Hurricanes, made hundreds of millions of dollars in the car loan business. And here he is. I had him on the podcast, the new chairman of the Alliance of American Football. And he talks here first about why and how he got involved in week two of the season. I had seen this idea and, you know, for me, it wasn't investable because of the risk associated with starting a league and will people like it and we be able to get the quality of football mm-hmm. to get viewers. And so that's not a, it doesn't meet my risk tolerance. Um, and then week one happened and it was pretty impressive what these guys accomplished. And so I got to see some things and, you know, they had a, a mate, I think, you know, they had commitments um, that, for whatever reason, uh, whatever they were dealing with, created an opportunity where someone like me could come in and take away their need to have to worry about capital anymore and just focus on, you know, continuing to improve the product, which which had a really good start. So that's how Tom Gunn got involved. He looked at it. He wasn't investable to begin with, but he looked at the metrics after week one, which are very impressive. You remember back in week one, Twitter love, everyone loved it. It was withdrawal from the Super Bowl, nothing else going on, spiked ratings, at least relatively. And this was taking off. And lo and behold, they needed a cash infusion for whatever reason. As I said, there was questions about the investment that was sold, at least to me on this podcast, in terms of being robust and substantial but dundon's in so then i got into dundon in terms of what's his control what's his factor now is he the man and he was very clear about that in terms of who's in charge and this really sort of broke down as we saw this week founders versus funder the funder always wins let's hear dundon about that i've got control now in terms of you know i'm the I have final say on everything, and you know I have the capital that can take this thing, you know, forward in a way that, uh, depending on how much we want to grow and how much we want to innovate, will determine how much of that capital is needed. Um, but you know, it's it's the way I've explained it. It's like any other business, right? It's, as long as there's demand, you know, there's no reason to talk about. There's no reason to talk about the capital anymore because I don't need to raise it. You know, it's it's in the ba- it's in my bank. So we're we're in really good shape. And now it's going back and cleaning up everything these guys did. I have control. I have the majority control of the league, and I have the funding. I've committed to the funding of the league. So as long as as long as the league's performing, there's. There's an unlimited amount of capital. We have more. I have more capital than the league needs. The money is literally the last issue on the table now. It's now about how do we keep people engaged with this brand and keep growing it. I think that's as clear as clear can be that Tom Dundon took final control of the league. He put the money in the bank. He became the chairman. And then the talk about a $250 million investment, which he wouldn't address. But like any investment, it's piecemeal. It's not going to be $250 million right away. That was never the issue. So what was interesting there is Tom Dundon talked about money being the last issue. He has full control. The guy is worth substantial funds. He has unlimited resources. Money was not the issue. 
The issue was more the underperforming word he used. So he just kind of made it sound like as long as it's going the way it was in week one when he jumped in and saw the metrics, no problem. But obviously things changed. What we saw through the winter and early spring, as everyone knows, is you have competition. And that euphoria of week one People turned away other things going on. You know, the NFL free agency came up. Myself, I'm a big football fan, but I turned away to sort of cover NFL free agency. And then, of course, the last three weekends, March Madness, which, of course, the AAF had to anticipate. But maybe they thought they'd have enough momentum that people wouldn't turn away. You know, and I think I'm like a lot of people flip around on a Sunday night, maybe saw the game, watched for a few plays and checked out what else was on. So I think that's what happened. And then this whole idea of underperforming again in this next and final clip we'll play from Dundon. He talked about no reason for this league to cease to exist. He had the money in the bank, but then there are little amorphous words like underperforming and keeping up with where it was. So let's hear this last clip from Dundon about whether there would be a chance that this league would not continue to exist. I don't think we're any different than any other business in the world. As long as there's a reason to be in business, we're going to be in business. Right. Yeah. I don't know and, if that makes sense, but no, I think it does. the narrative it around it is just confusing for me. Cause once I put my name on it, put my money in it, it's mine. It's like, why would it not exist? It doesn't even, it's confusing for me. Cause why would I not, build a business that I owned. So there it is. Tom Dundon saying, why would I not continue to build this business? Why would it cease to exist? Well, here we are. The AAF has ceased to exist. Now there's talk about some skeleton staff hanging around. That's not going to happen. They're not going to reboot. And Bill Polian has been out there saying it shut down. No one's here. He's very upset about it. Again, founders versus funder. As I said on Twitter, funder always wins. Tom Dundon, the funder, who has not spoken. I tried to get him on the pod again. He's just, he pulled. And I can only say that he pulled because of underperformance, as he mentioned, as he kept asking during the podcast, why would I not do this? Well, the reports are he did it to the tune of about $70 million of the reported $250 million that he had pledged. That's a lot of money. But to him, you know, to keep it going, whatever value he got out of seven weeks, you know, so it's $10 million a week that he funded. We'll see. You know, we'll see how he comes out looking after that. And what about the assets? Listen, these things are messy. Uh, they're, you know my saying, they're going to be lawyers and lawsuits coming out of this. I don't think a lawsuit will come out with the eighth week pay for players. Listen, players were paid seven weeks. They're not paid for week eight. They're sent home, find their way home. Good luck. If a player wants to sue the league for their $7,000 in week eight, uh, you know, spend two, 3000 of it for a lawyer, that's not going to happen. Perhaps a class action about week eight. We can sort of see that as a possibility, but I don't think it. The lawsuits will come for bigger picture items. What about hotels that had uh, the teams had committed for three, four more weeks? What about transportation services? What about food services? What about dealing with the facilities and the stadiums? 
you know, this is a big operation and maybe the alliance needed more time. Speaking of which, XFL, they had more time. They announced about the same time as the alliance. They're not starting until 2020. In fact, their name is XFL 2020. I've said this from the beginning and I, I say it now and I'm not, I told you so here, but I'm saying it again. They have always had a better chance of succeeding. The primary reason I talked about was investment. There's so many divergent investors in the AAF that actually resulted in one investor kind of pushing aside the rest was never a model that could work very seamlessly. The advantage of the XFL, one investor, one investor who has substantial resources. His name is Vince McMahon, the WWE money. And lo and behold, on the day the AAF folded, he reportedly cashed out McMahon about $270 million, the same investment of Dundon of his WWE stock that could easily fund the league for a couple of years. We don't know their model. We don't know who they're going to sign, if they're going to sign players under the three-year rule of the NFL, like a Lawrence kid, Trevor Lawrence from Clemson. Is he going to be available? We can expect names, again, like a Johnny Menzel, maybe a Colin Kaepernick, you know, bigger names. We'll see what the funding is. We'll see what the salary cap is. If there's one, we'll see if they allow player, uh, teams, or not teams, but the league, to spend more on certain players. I can tell you this. Good friend of mine is now the commissioner, Oliver Luck, known to you probably better as Andrew's father. And he left basically the number two position at the NCAA, I would think, deemed to be number one when Mark Emmert retires for this position. And I have heard his salary is north of $10 million. So this league is serious. This league is serious. I do give them a chance. I know everyone out there is thinking any league that competes with the NFL, not competes, I'm sorry, that starts up beyond the NFL is is deemed, I'm sorry, doomed from the start. Maybe I did think that about the AF, even though they had NFL royalty like Polian and television royalty like Ebersol. But I, I think the XFL has got a real chance. Because they've got funding. It's all about the money. I always say that. Forget all this other stuff. They've got the money. And they'll make the TV deals. And they'll make the player deals. And they got a year to go. And Oliver Luck's been paid this big salary for a couple years just to get this going. And they will have success. So that's my thoughts. We now put a postmortem on the AF. We look forward to the XFL. I'll have Oliver on the podcast at some point soon. And what a ride for eight weeks. Hope you enjoyed listening to those two different clip uh, podcast clips from the founder of the now defunct AAF, Charlie Ebersol, and the funder of the now defunct AAF, Tom Dundon. Finally, a word from our sponsor, Bet Online. We're in March Madness now. You know that. Two big games of the year are coming up on Saturday night. So get your Sportsnet Bracket Challenge in. It's presented by BetOnline.ag. March Madness, down to the Final Four this Saturday. Get in on all the action. Don't forget to use that promo code PODCAST1 at BetOnline.ag. Your online sportsbook experts, a 50% welcome bonus through PODCAST1. Now it's time to hear from you. Take questions every week. I've got one this week from my friend in Canada, Denois. So let's hear from Denois. 
Uh, hi, Andrew. Love to listen to your show when I'm uh, walking or running my dog, like I'm doing now. Uh, question about the owners' meetings. How much uh, scouting slash recruiting slash evaluating is going on of on the part of league personnel when you have all the execs and their teams at these meetings? How much is... Next year, I'm going to look for an assistant GM, XYZ, from next uh, ABC team last year. Maybe you should give him a call. So, if you could uh, comment on that, we'd appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Dan Wiley. And I really like that you're listening to me while walking and running with your dogs, because that's when I listen to podcasts. When I'm walking my dogs or running, I listen to all kinds of podcasts. Uh, you know, I tend to like... Uh, some sports podcasts, obviously Bill Simmons uh, for my basketball fix, enjoy him. But I listen to a lot of podcasts kind of about business, self-help, those kind of things. I listen to Tim Ferriss, uh, Rich Roll. I really enjoy Gary V. Um, just sort of about, you know, doing things, getting better. I know it sounds a little hokey and a little out there, wah-wah, woo-woo, but uh, I do listen to that. And some fitness podcasts with Ben Greenfield, uh, I listen to some uh, running podcasts, I'm a runner. So all of those things, Purple uh, purple Patch, I think it's called. Um, but anyway, you didn't ask what podcasts I listen to. Yes, about the owners' meetings. And yes, they just finished up. And you ask a good question about what goes on in there. And so many people talk about you know the Rooney Rule and Ways to Network. Well, this is where it happens. We have gatherings like the owners' meetings with all the GMs and scouts and big big contingents from each team. And this is where you sort of rub elbows. And this is where people call up uh, when there's hiring changes and there's staff turnover. Like, yeah, you know, I spent time with him at the owner's meeting. Good guy, got along well, seemed to think the same way. You're exactly right, Denwell. This is how it happens, where people will make changes. And, you know, where else are you going to spend time together with league personnel? Now, yeah, on the scouting trail, people run into each other. They're at Ohio State Pro Day or Miami Pro Day or Florida Pro Day and they see each other and they talk or they hang out in the hotel or have breakfast before the scouts. But listen, this is something that does happen. And I always talk about the way that deals get done, even on the trade front, is through relationships. And now you've got a collegial group of GMs around the league that know each other that came up through college scouting together. I think about the ones that I worked with in Green Bay alone. You know, you've got well, Reggie McKenzie's not in um, Oakland anymore, but he's in Miami, so he's influencing what they do. You got Dorsey in Cleveland; that's been everywhere. Everyone knows John Dorsey. He's along with Alonzo Highsmith, Elliot Wolf, Green Bay South. There, all the Packer connections, and of course, John Schneider is in Seattle. Uh, knows everyone in the league. Howie Roseman, very connected throughout the league. Now you've got Bob Quinn in Detroit. It's got the New England connections and knowing the people there. Uh, so all these, and, and, you know, Mickey Loomis in New Orleans, who's been around forever. Um, Spielman in Minnesota, been around forever. These people know each other. They've been doing business with each other. Uh, so you're always going to have these kind of deals happening. And what greases the skids, obviously, is face-to-face, collegial atmosphere, and sun-soaked locations by the pool, by the bar at the Biltmore in Arizona last week. So that's always going to be part of it. So it's a great question, and yes, absolutely, it does happen, and it happened last week. 
at the NFL owners' meetings. Great question, Denois. Good to hear from my friends in Canada. Always a pleasure to uh, talk to them. That'll do it for this week's edition, the Brant's Rants edition about the AAF, the Business of Sports podcast. Really appreciate all of the O's who leave comments on Apple Podcasts, uh, any ranking, any kind of comments. Really appreciate it. Appreciate you following me on Twitter at Andrew Brandt, and I will be back with my producer extraordinaire, Brian Neal, next week for another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Thanks for listening to the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. You can also get additional insider insight by listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Fantasy Feast, Even Money, and College Draft Podcast, all at rostucker.com or wherever podcasts are found. If you're ready to lose weight, it's time to stop dieting and let Noom put psychology to work. Unlike restrictive crash diets, detox cleanses, or any of the other questionable weight loss fads on the market, Noom's award-winning program helps you form sustainable habits that last. With Noom, no food group is off-limits, and there's no complicated calorie counting either. Instead, Noom's cognitive behavioral approach helps you better understand and manage your relationship with food, one meal at a time. Whether your goal is to feel more energized, boost your mood, or finally lose those five pounds for good this time, Noom gives you the tools to make it happen. It takes just 10 minutes a day. And because Noom is tailored to your goals and based on leading evidence-based psychology and nutrition science, you always get the expert guidance and support you need to make lasting progress. Start building healthy habits today. Sign up for your trial at Noom.com balance. That's N-O-O-M dot balance. If you love scratches from the Virginia Lottery, you'll love the High Roller Blackjack Scratcher with a chance to win up to 10 times your prize. Look for it at your favorite Virginia Lottery retailer. In fact, you can drive there right now. Now that's an everyday win. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 4.16.